Hey, everyone, hopping in here before the podcast starts. Just, it's Lindsay. I just wanted to say uh, thank you so much from every fiber of my being for the outpouring of love that we've received, I've received over the last week or so since we've shared this news. I It's been so overwhelming, the, the love, the random emails and messages and the comments. And um, it's just... I cannot thank you guys enough for just completely surrounding me in love with all of this. And so we just wanted to acknowledge that. And I am going to be fighting. I, I've gotten every, I've gotten words of encouragement. I've been sent humor. I've been sent all kinds of things. Um, and just know that like I am, I am a fighter. I am mm-hmm. tough as hell, but I'm also yes. going to have some some weak moments too in there. And so I uh, just, just so thankful for all of you guys. And and I know that was a, probably a hard podcast. It's the only podcast I've not listened to for edits. <laughs> I just let that one roll. Um, so, but yeah, thank yeah. you guys. It's, I, I, I don't, thank you doesn't feel like enough, honestly, but it's, it's really all yeah. I've got right now. So yeah, I know originally when Lindsay shared, a lot of people were reaching out to me and saying, how can we support Lindsay? How can we support Lindsay? And when Rachel and I were like thinking through it and we're like, well, maybe we'll do a shirt and a hoodie. And I was like, Lindsay's going to hate all of this (laughs) so much. But it's one of those things where I I did run this by by Lindsay and she confirmed that she 100% hated it, but also... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but gave me the go ahead too. So um, you might have seen on our Instagram Instagram page at Dirt on Flowers, we're posting there about a fundraiser that we're doing for Lindsay. I really, our our merch guy Matt over at Seven Thirty Eight Apparel. That's where Lindsay and I get all of our like our Bloom Hill and our Wild Root shirts. Lindsay's been working with him for a really long time. He is such an asset. He's amazing. So mm-hmm. if you need some merch, you know, he's would be a great resource. But he's working with us. He's donating all of his time and uh to get the wild pink wild root t-shirts and hoodies up and running so that we can get those printed and out in the world so that we can show our silent support just by wearing our shirts and stuff for Lindsay to see. So that's on our website, the dirtonflowers.com. You can go there Go to the shop page, purchase those, all of the proceeds, every single thing is going to go to Lindsay and we all get to wear our shirts. So mm-hmm. it's super fun. And I've like, literally, I almost want to cry. I was te- texting Rachel last night. I'm like, what, what a good mm-hmm. idea. That was so good. Cause we've yeah. really just had such an amazing outpouring of people buying t-shirts and hoodies. And I just hope that I need to make sure that Lindsay, I'm talking like you, like I'm not staring at you right now, (laughs) but that Lindsay knows and understands, you know, how, how many people love her and just want to like surround her and lift her up. And it's so hard. And I'm sure everybody understands that because as even as farmers or as people who like work with mother nature, it's like, we're so tough. And asking for help, it's the the thing that we do. And she, just to clarify, she is not asking, okay? She 100% <laughs> hates <laughs> all of this. But it's just such an amazing thing that, that we can do. And we all get a really cute and adorable sweatshirt or t-shirt out of it. And it's just so fun to support. So the dirtonflowers.com, the shop page is where you can go do that. We're taking pre-orders through the 28th. Which your birthday? Twenty fifth, which is twenty fifth. Your birthday. Thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. And so, or pre-orders through the twenty fifth, and then Rachel and I are going to be working on getting those out the following weeks, the first week or so of December, and get them out to you guys for your orders. Okay. So, thank you guys for supporting. It means the world. It's been just so amazing to see, honestly, yeah. too. Yeah. So. And to clarify, the hate part of this is <laughs> yes, you're right, and I'm. You know, I said, I've just said like, even, even pink, like I'm not a pink girl. I know. um, I'm sorry. There's a dirt bag. One of the dirt bags wrote (laughs) and like tagged on the, um, on my story and just said like, I will wear pink for Lindsay. And it was like. Oh, I saw that. So Yeah. It just was like, yeah. Okay. Like it just, the, the silent support piece and, Mm -hmm. and all of it, it's just, it's, it's all very overwhelming. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I. 
work or I'm working on asking for help <laughs> and life just kind of handed me this. So, yes. yeah. So I very grateful and it's just, it, it truly means so much to me. I can't, I cannot say it enough. So mm-hmm. yeah, but okay. We are rolling into a pre-recorded podcast. Yes. So I'm a little more chipper than I have been. <laughs> <laughs> um, not pre-recorded yeah. by much, but um, yeah. Yeah. So enjoy the podcast. We are spilling the dirt in today's episode. And thank you guys so much for having us in your earbuds every week. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Lindsay with Wild Root Flower Company. And I'm Shannon from Bloom Hill Farm. Over the last six years, we've leaned on each other as we grew our farms into the profitable six-figure farms they are today. We want you to join us each week as we have real, honest conversations about life and business. And we promise you'll leave feeling inspired and your farming toolbox will be filled with actionable strategies you can implement at any stage in your business. Learn from our mistakes as we talk business, marketing, and growing techniques to help you create the farm of your dreams. So let's roll up our sleeves and get the dirt on flowers. Hey everyone, TGIF, happy Friday, November. Mm-hmm. Oh Can you believe gosh. it? I know. No, I, I really cannot. I really cannot. But our tubers are all out of the ground. Yay. Are yours? Yes. <laughs> yes. By some miracle. Okay, yeah, but we had yeah. the white we had the white stuff this morning. You Snow. did. We it missed us. <laughs> yeah. Did it. Yeah, we're where our tubers are all of the ground. Mm-hmm. Washing dahlia tubers is for the birds. Isn't it fun? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's the worst. I mean, it's I don't the worst job. I, it is. Yeah. I know. I just thankfully it, it lined up when we had 70 degree weather. I'm sure yes. you're not as lucky, right? <laughs> I know we're washing them this week. Ugh. Well, oh, 34 degrees out. Nothing like some cold water. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, we're surviving. We washed we washed them this year because I had mentioned that we're storing them at an apple orchard. And yes. so I Shannon and I talked this past weekend mm-hmm. because I've had some just some concerns and worries with, you know, I'm putting all of my eggs into one basket and putting them in a completely new storage location this year. It's risky biz doing it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous because we wash them and you know, normally that soil adds a little extra layer of insulation to them, kind of hardens them off. And so I called Shannon and Judd and we did a little three-way call and I'm concerned about the ethylene, but I was going to tell you. Yeah. I did oh, yeah. Up- yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've done some research. My friend Joanna sent me mm-hmm. an article and I ended up talking to Dave Dowling. Oh, good. And Dave said he doesn't believe it's concern. I found an article from 1927. Oh. So I'm not sure how accurate, <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be a concern. Um, I know I've had you know, Dave asked about like getting on the Facebook group and I was like, I think I'm going to stay off the internet with this one and just go with some. So I did reach out to Ohio State. So they're going to put me in contact with somebody. And then there's potential to have like other universities communicate and get my information that way. But I feel better about it. They do make packages, uh, little packets that will soak up the ethylene. So we're looking at doing that just as like another barrier, you know, safety net for us. But we wouldn't have washed them if we weren't taking them to another location. And the washing, yeah, I am sorry. Fun. It is because <laughs> to me, I'm like, okay, I dig them. We have really sandy soil. So mm-hmm. just in general, it comes right off um, as if like you were doing them in a raised bed. And so, you know, we had – there's, you know, certain – varieties like Boom Boom White or some of these Mm -hmm. other ones that are really have like very fibrous roots will grab onto a lot of soil. And so they just take some extra effort to wash them. But I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, OMG, (laughs) now I have to move them again and let them dry and all this. So yeah, it's tough. I know. Judd says, because we get like Carhartt has the rubber like overalls with a Mm -hmm. rubber and so we get mm-hmm. like the full suits for everybody because like literally, yeah, you're <laughs> just, just as we're like deadliest catch, yeah, like, out there with our tubers. So you look like? it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's some farm, that's some farm fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for us, it's we because we have such clay soil, they're like coming up a lot of them in a brick of dirt, and because we're splitting in January, so we're either hosing them now. Or putting them into storage heavy in dirt 
and then eventually having to spray them when it really is in the middle of winter so that we can see eyes and stuff when we start splitting in January. So Mm -hmm. for us, it's just a necessary evil. We've tried to not, but it just never, yeah, just never does it. Dave was like, oh, you washed them. I'm like, yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, oh no. I did something wrong, you know? Uh-huh. And he's like, well, I hope you let them dry out. And I was like, I did, you know? And then I'm going yeah. over there to check you it. We're, we're adding a dehumidifier to it. And we we did, but there's still, I've still got to keep an eye on them. But, you know, it was like, Dave <laughs> said it. I was like, oh, I did, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> but he's like, you know, that soil, it just like adds a little extra protection and hardens it off. And I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I do know this. Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, for us, we just, that's I'm a sandy soil snob. Yes, yeah, it's very that's nice. one advantage. Yes, well, you know, I mean, there's advantages. <laughs> no matter what you yeah. have, there's good and bad to it. So yes, it's hard. Yep, yep. It's like I have to use more. I have to use more netting because of our soil. So you know, there's there's a trade off. Like you know, whereas you're not necessarily having to do that because of your soil profile and all of that. But yeah, yeah, that was this one task that I was like not <laughs> super thrilled about having to do it again. But, you know. know. it's We've been doing it that way for I think like most of – I mean since we've been growing. So mm-hmm. I really don't know any other way. I'd be too scared. Yeah. I just don't know how do you split – like how do you split the tubers if they have dirt we just, on them? Well, we – and we split different. We use knives. You guys use yeah. – Snips. Shears. We use, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we go in just with a knife, and then as it we cut down, you can see the eye, and then it just the soil breaks off okay. of it, basically. Like we just, yeah. And once it really dries, it just kind of falls off of it, yeah, that way. Yeah. yeah. They really just don't have any issues with it. I mean, it's dirty, definitely. And I would say having the soil still on there, it's going to dull the knife a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, I do think that at some point it's kind of a, necessary part of the process but we just never did ever yeah so yeah. here we are Painful. we did it is mm-hmm. i know this this part of the season is so hard it's like to, to me it's like spring number two because mm-hmm. there's so many things that need to be done so it's like we're it's like this hornet's nest of like getting the tubers out of the ground making sure the spring tunnel is taken care of we're getting tulips planted and our pre-sprouting ranunculus corms and getting yep. those going. So that's next week is tulips and ranunculus and then Christmas yeah. stuff. <laughs> yes. I'm telling it's you. Like it's 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 hard. I think a and lot. I, I think what makes fall so hard is we're tired off of the season. Yes. You've got all these things going on in spring. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, there's a million things going just like there is in the fall, except you're yeah. tired and then you're ripping everything out. Yes. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was also just interesting to to do something different this year with dahlias and mm-hmm. then have to think through that process. I found myself going like, okay, what's the least amount of touches I can have yeah. on these things? Like how yes. do we streamline it with the three of us doing this to make mm-hmm. it that it's the least amount of moving, you know, yeah. and, and still making sure everything's like getting – not getting mixed up with labels and all yes. the effort that you put into it before yeah. they come out of the ground, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, getting yeah. all that organized and stuff but i i still enjoy that part of the process they're a very needy (laughs) a very needy crop i know judd judd says we worry about them 12 months a year which is 100 percent true Mm -hmm. if they're not you're not worrying about them in storage worrying about splitting them worrying about getting them out of the ground worry if they're growing correctly or cutting them you know that's a lot so yeah didn't he say this weekend we talked they're kind of like kids yeah, kids. You know, yeah. they're like your kids. You just are always yeah. worried about them. Yeah, like, like wherever they are, you're just always worried. It's like it's Where very true. What are they? Yeah. What are they doing? Are they hydrated? Yeah. Are they hydrated? Yeah. Do they have eyes? You know, they're just like well all the thing. Well fed. Yeah. All the things they just require. They do um, so much effort. So they do. yeah, it was like as I was hosing these off, it's like this is why we sell them for like twelve dollars a tube. Or yeah, because it's why it's people. A, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That goes into keeping them. It's kind of like, I don't know. I think it's the underestimated thing about selling tubers, which I mean, we could like literally go on and on about mm-hmm. that business because it really is like a whole business if you get your business honed in to do it efficiently. But it's a lot, a lot of worry, a lot of risk, a lot of everything. So yeah. there's a lot to talk about there for sure. So yeah, it's definitely a topic that's on our on our radar for sure. Yes. But yeah. 
Well, today we're spilling the dirt. We're yep. we did a ask us anything like we do on Sundays, except for we've missed two I Sundays. Missed, I, know. I missed one too. I know. You were like, oh, we're just I think I missed. I was like, I missed too. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else missed us. They still, you'll send us a DM if they got yeah, a question you and they, yeah, they want, good. they want us to ask it, spill it, you know, spill it on an upcoming episode. Still shoot us a DM. But we get yeah. a lot of people say, I never remember when the chat box is up on Sundays. So here it is, <laughs> you know, and they send it. So we get yes. a lot of those too. But yeah. Yeah. So if you're just joining us, we do every Sunday almost every Sunday, Mm -hmm. we do a chat box. This is a spill the dirt, ask us anything. Sometimes we theme it where we just want you to give us your marketing questions or your, you know, personal related questions or business questions. And so a lot of times it's just ask anything. What's on your mind? What do you want to know? And then Mm -hmm. we do an episode around those questions. And so we pull them. We have hundreds of questions that we pull from. And so it may not be like the next week that we do it. We try to do one around once a month. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it works that way. But today we are spilling the dirt just on a whole bunch of different things. So yeah, we got some good questions. We did. So let's hop into the first one. Somebody wrote in and said, give me any and all info on high tunnels, size, spacing, tips and tricks, etc. And which is a good question because if you've ever looked up high tunnels, there's about... (laughs) There's about a thousand ways you can do it and a thousand different people who do it. And some of this will be figuring out what is the right size for you. So when we fir- we got our first high tunnel through the NRCS, well, our first two tunnels, and which is a grant through the, okay, what is NRC? Natural Resource Conservation. Mm-hmm, something. Something. We've kind of talked about this on the pod before, but every county you should have a service. An- Thank you, service. Natural Resources Conservation Service. Yes. Service. And so each county should have a rep of some sort that you can contact. And what they essentially do is attach an environmental concern or conservation method to your grant application. So they sometimes it sounds sometimes things sound scarier than they actually are. For me, I thought the process with the NRCS to get an NRCS tunnel was fairly easy. I had a really great rep. So I know some of you have written to us, oh, I've been trying to get my rep to come out here, but I haven't. I think just persistent, you know, being persistent with them and working to create a relationship with them is really important. And so once I got my rep out, I was able to get the two, the first tunnel, and then I think two years later, a second tunnel. So on our farm, I truly think that when I got my high tunnel, it changed my farm. Would you agree, Lens? Yeah. Yeah. Same. I think like all of a sudden I could do more specialty things. I could have ranunculus, anemones. I was growing my Lizzie in there. Um, I was having some stuff after frost with like some later fall plantings. So for me, that was huge. And my farm like really kicked it up a notch. So if you're looking to differentiate yourself maybe from competition, I feel like a tunnel is a great way to do that too. Because for me, it's like kind of having flowers the earliest is always going to be a plus. So being the first to have anything is an important piece. So so with the tunnels, we bought our first tunnel off Craigslist, which is, I don't even know if Craigslist is still a thing. Now the Facebook marketplace know. is here. I don't know. I feel like it turned into just like <laughs> trafficking Wanted. humans or something. <laughs> like it was just like misconnections. Human trafficking. Yeah, it was really not. I was like, yeah. I just, it got to the point where there were so many scams on it. It was like, yeah, I think we just need to shut this thing down. <laughs> So we got our first tunnel, which was a 15 by 90, I think. Yeah. And we had to put it up ourselves. And that was a complete and utter marriage test. (laughs) Um, Getting that up. So we had to dismantle it, put it back up. And that was that was terrible. From that point forward, I swore (laughs) I'm never (laughs) putting up a tunnel myself. So really, I know it seems like a good idea. And there are like some tunnels that people say that you can do on your own, like Farmer's Friend, for instance. I've never had one of those tunnels, but a lot of people have a lot of success with those. They're supposed to be a little bit more user-friendly, but not at – they're more like semi-permanent tunnels. Or Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the high tunnels through the NRCS that we got are like a permanent tunnel that Yoder's Produce Supply put up on my farm. And they came for the day. They did it in half a day. It was literally the most amazing process. And if you have the funds to pay for the labor to for someone else to put up your tunnel correctly, it is very much worth it. 
because that can be a really big pain in your side. So all of this, all of these factors you have to take into account to figure out what the right size is for you. My NRCS tunnels were 30 by 72 when we got them. And that was basically because that's exactly what the grant paid for. So that's exactly what I got. So there's lots that you can take into account when you're figuring out what size and considering your area and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then from that point, so even just thinking of it as a starting point for you too. So our 30 by 72, once that tunnel was out of NRCS contract, because I believe the contract's like two to three years where you can't make three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where you can't make any modifications. Once that tunnel was out of contract, we extended it to a 132. Um, so you can always modify the tunnels to be bigger. So if just keep that in mind, it doesn't have to be like go big or go or I can't have a tunnel, just even the smallest amount of space, you really can grow a lot of flowers. And mm -hmm. so I yep. think that's um, good to consider. Yep. So Linz, how many tunnels do you have now? Three? I have three. Three. Yeah. yeah. We have three. Yep, Did we have you get three two of yours through? Two of them are for, mm -hmm. for a grant. We pay, I, I paid for one, a second one, and then we've uh, we're in application for a fourth. Oh, um, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, through NRCS, just, um, trying. Yeah, mm, we'll see. Good. We're trying to get to. You know, I really like growing in the tunnel. I will say that they are they are a learning curve yes. too. Like you mm -hmm. are. There are offsets. They are a whole nother thing that you're managing. So where you're opening and closing tunnels, they require electric venting, you know, to have sidewalls to go up. You need to be there to be able to put the sidewalls up or have somebody be there, especially in the winter. They are absolutely worth it for mm -hmm. me. I think yes. we get a better quality product. We're actually switching some of our field stuff that really likes the heat, like Celosia into our tunnels for next year. So mm. we just don't utilize that space as much. You know, it's by the time early, we're early in the morning when it gets super, super hot anyway, we're not working in there. So yeah. it really doesn't, you know, but I like that you can control the environment. So if we get a storm, you can close sidewalls, you can regulate how much water is getting onto them, but you are adding in a whole nother realm of mm -hmm. having to manage disease and insects inside there. Sanitation yeah. is huge. Weed control. You think things grow well in a high tunnel. Weeds also grow well yeah, in a high they tunnel. Yeah, I love it. Yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's lots of, you know, great ways to do it. As far as, I mean, honestly, we could do it. We, as we say this every week, we could do a high tunnel episode because, mm -hmm. you know, she, they're asking about spacing and tips and all those things. And you know, there's shade cloth management, whether yeah. you use shade cloth yep. or not, and you know, having ranunculus in there. I mean, this is it's a it's a whole thing growing mm -hmm. with them. But you know, overall, I think they're a win because I think 100 percent they pay for mm -hmm. themselves yes. and what you can put in there. And I, you know, low tunnels. If you have experience with low tunnels and you've used them, it's essentially the same thing, just on a much larger scale. You're venting every day. You're opening and closing. You mm -hmm. know, you're doing. All of those same things, just on a lot, a much larger, on a much larger scale. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mine are thirty by ninety-six, and mm -hmm. they have six-foot sidewalls on them. I have one tunnel. My first one has a four-foot sidewall, and it's the hottest. It doesn't vent as well. Yeah, it's like you know, you just learn. Where I didn't even know that I should have gone with a six-foot sidewall, so I just got. I went with what they recommended, and they're all Gothic style. Yeah, but. You learn. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I did pay. I did the same thing. I paid to have mine put up. And there's a lot of people that it, are listening that you they probably know how to put them up. Just yeah. slicker and snot. You know, yeah. that's great. And you can save the money. I've had friends of mine offer to come help put them up. And to me, the extra little bit of labor is what it's worth. And they do this for a living. Mm -hmm. That's what I let them do. That's my choice. And that's a financial – it's a cost. But it's yeah. also like – my time and sanity and what I yeah. have the bandwidth to do. And mm -hmm. um, I like just them putting it up. They, I mean, they put those bad boys up in two days. Oh, my gosh. They're fast. There's no amount of money in the world that would allow me, force me to put another high tunnel up with Judd. <laughs> it just ain't happening. <laughs> I love him to death. But no, <laughs> not, not today, not never. No, I mean, I still like, we still look at that first tunnel. Right now it has our eucalyptus and our, we put lilies in there. It's just, it's got a new problem every year. 
you know, mm-hmm. it, the plastic was ripping off of it. I'm like, why doesn't the plastic rip off these other ones? It's just that freaking $500 high tunnel just haunts you. <laughs> well, another thing too that I've seen a lot of places, you've probably seen it on the internet too on Instagram, and but a lot of farms actually utilize that as their workshop space. Yes. You know, if you've seen a lot of people – and so you can use them for mm-hmm. anything. I mean, mm-hmm. I – with my spacing, we do uh, four-foot beds, 18-inch walkways. Everything's super tight. We're maximizing every square inch that we can get it. That Ours are used strictly for, for production. But I've seen a lot of people, you know, have a big open space in the center mm-hmm. and they have workshops in there. You know, my, cons- I, my thoughts would be like that. I feel like it would be really hot in August. Yeah. But it's – if you didn't have a place to teach a workshop – it's a space. You could get yeah. those farmer's friend ones and they think yeah. they go up and they're pretty movable mm-hmm. as long yeah. as you aren't in Tornado Alley, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure they are there too and they yeah. keep them down somehow. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, I think if, you, if you're looking for a tunnel, there's lots around here. Around In Ohio, there's some Amish like produce supply um, groups that put up tunnels and really, I mean, they're consider them your consultants on putting up your tunnel. And like, I use this all the time. I'll be like, well, what would you do if it's your insert, whatever that, you yeah. know, if, if it was your high tunnel, how would you make, oh, I would, you know, make the higher side walls and, and I would upgrade the, the end walls so they can easily be rotated. Are you putting a tractor in there? Okay. Well, we need to make the doorway big enough. Like there's a lot of considerations we really should do a whole episode on it now that we're talking mm-hmm. through it because it's its own microclimate. It's its own everything. It's has yeah. its own rules. <laughs> so, yeah. so as a, as a farmer, it's, it's a new piece to manage, but it's really, to me, it's invaluable to have early crops like that. And there are premium crops because they're grown in there. So it really is an amazing ad if, if you can do it. So yeah. I agree. Put that on the list. High tunnel on episode. the list. Coming up. Yep. Coming up. Okay. All right. Somebody else wrote in and said, advice on seed starting. I don't know why Mm -hmm. you gave me this question because I hate seed starting. (laughs) I hate it It says, I seem to have below average success and I don't know what's wrong. So I do bare minimum with seed starting. And what I mean by this is like, I don't use heat mats. I don't soil block. I don't – I am (laughs) – I just use very basic. I use 128s for mostly mostly mm-hmm. 200 trays or 128s. Like we smart we start smaller stuff like Snapdragon stock. Um, gosh, what else? It's slipping my mind right now. In 200s, everything else pretty much goes in a 128 for us. And I just use regular old T8 shop lights. I did switch last year to some LED and. I, for years up until last year, I honestly used wood platforms, like five foot long, 12 inch wide boards with two eyes, like eye hooks in them with hung shop lights on it. And then with center blocks to hold them upright. And I stacked them up like four or five high. I got it from that flower farmer book, the Lynn mm-hmm. yeah. Bazinski, Bazinski. Um, that was her. And that's how I did it forever. And now all I did was like upgrade to bigger racks and mm-hmm. I do them inside. And I guess um depends on the having below average success. I guess my question would be, you know, like are they too wet? Are they getting too mm-hmm. much light, not enough light? You know, those would be the things. And you can there's a lot of really good um books out there and just on like basic seed starting. My method is not I'm not telling you I'm not like the best we have I'm not the best seed starter but I like to just like anything I don't like extra steps and stuff mm-hmm. so the heat mat and the humidity and getting so ate up with how um you know how fussy all these particular seeds are I don't grow lisianthus seeds because I don't oh, have God, the patience no. yeah. I don't have the patience I are basically what we do. We start with a good soil mix and we get that from Yoder's produce and we moisten the soil, we fill our trays and we seed by hand. Um, last year I did get a uh, vacuum seeder and it's pretty freaking sweet. So we did, I've been using that and it makes it go a heck of a lot faster. And so I'm going to be purchasing another one so that we can have two people using a vacuum seeder at the same time. But 
we just drop seeds. We cover them with humidity domes and um, we put them inside. And then they're inside probably not as long as they should be. That's another thing I do. I push stuff sooner than what, you know, if it says eight weeks, it's probably getting five to six, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're pushing it outside to grow. We're hardening it off, moving it um, into the shade. You know, a lot of times in the spring we're using a trailer and we're just putting them on a trailer, hardening them off and do it that way. I grow everything on our farm still under lights or I direct seed it. And so I – I know we've talked about this on the podcast, mm-hmm. but I think last it was last year. I had everything in the deposit down with Yoders to do a seed starting house. And, you know, it was it was a chunk of change. And I kept looking at it like the the actual cost of it. And I thought, I don't know that I'm going to get that money back. Like we do such a good job where I don't feel like we're out of room yet. This year it got a little tight because we grew cutting garden boxes. And I know it would up the quality of our seed, growing them in a seed starting house outside. But that also adds another layer of something I need to manage outside mm-hmm. in the weather conditions. Is it, I have to heat it. It's got to be cooled. It's just a, you know, they've got to be uh, mist irrigated all the time. So it, I pulled the plug on it and I'm decided to spend a couple thousand dollars inside of our seed starting room and make some conveniences for me, make things a little bit easier. We were actually, we had carpet in there. So we're carrying these like water across carpet. So I put new flooring in so Mm -hmm. we could just use it, you know, get spill water on it, get dirt on it. It's not a big deal. And we turned it into a seed starting room and it was just, it's been very, it's worked really well from us. And I don't Mm -hmm. think, it doesn't feel like a pinch point for me. But I did look for a setup like you have, Shannon. You mm-hmm. can share what you do. But yeah. um, Shannon's got a sweet setup where she pays a local greenhouse, right? You guys go mm-hmm. in and start it, but you basically yeah. pay per tray for them yes. to like water it and you use their space. It's like the sweetest setup in the whole yeah. world. Wonderful. Yeah. But I just couldn't find because yeah. I actually looked for a long time to actually have somebody say like, I'll supply all the supplies. You seed it, water mm-hmm. it and all of that. But I haven't found anybody locally that will, that will yeah. do that. I called yeah. – everywhere. I was like, I'll drive like several hours to have this, you know, and like load them up in the van. Mm -hmm. No, no luck. So here we are. Yeah. It's hard. Um, see, I, I a hundred percent feel your struggle because when we first started seeds in the basement under lights, I would say that's one of the biggest struggles. And at that time it was one of the biggest limiters of my farm. So I started feeling that and I'm like, I can't, I'm either not producing enough seedlings to be where I want to be, or I'm not producing enough quality seedlings. Like I was killing them. I was, I I was making all the same mistakes you were. So you're like, you are, you know, it's 100% like we all feel that pain. So we did a couple things to upgrade your space. So I think Lindsay's idea is great. There can be definitely some conveniences that can make it easier. I would make sure you're I would really start looking into what your particular problems are. So is it too is it too hot down there? Is there not enough circulation? Are you seeing like mold or like surface, like green, like algae kind of stuff on your seedlings? Then you need some more air circulation. Like there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And I think that's the hardest part about it. It's like in for me, the struggle was when in the off season when I was supposed to be free, I'm like air quoting free, mm-hmm. I was like couldn't even leave for the weekend because I was attached to that stupid basement where I'm, you know, getting my seedling. So to me, like that felt so hard. I was working full time and I, it was a lot. It was a lot. So at that point, we kind of thought, okay, we can either figure out someone else to do this. Or we have a small greenhouse, a heated space off the side of our house. We invested in that. And I think we probably spent five to $6,000 at least to get that up and running and going. And we started seeds in there for a little while. And that was good. Like it fits probably, I would say, maybe 100, 128 trays in there. And we did good. So I really did feel like when I invested in the greenhouse, so like more natural light, that kind of stuff, that my seed starting got better because I feel like I was maybe controlling variables a little bit better in there too. So there's all different levels of things that you can do. And so so at this point, 
we kind of outgrew that. So I was looking to outsource. So there's a local greenhouse here. And if you have a local greenhouse around you who might be interested in doing this or has extra space, our deal is, is that we, we provide the trays, they provide the soil. So they just have pro mix, all the stuff that they're using at the greenhouse. We go there, we fill up the trays, we bring our seeds and we, we plant all the seeds. We're still doing it by hand with either like vibrator seeders or just right out of the packets. And it's usually like a day or so, maybe a day and a half of three or four of us over there doing all the all the seed starts for the succession. So for each, depending if it's spring or summer, like we're anywhere between maybe like 140 to 175, 128 flats. So we do that at the greenhouse and they charge me a flat rate. So what they do is water. They just keep them watered. So they're doing the regular watering in their greenhouse and they just water our seedlings you know, right along with it. So what you get, obviously it costs more, like I, that's a premium, but also I'm gaining my time back. I can leave on the weekend cause I'm not babysitting my, mm-hmm. my seedlings. So there's definitely a time exchange there, which is valuable. And, um, it's definitely an expense. I mean, this year, you know, the expense was almost close to $8,000 that I paid them for seed starting. Um, I wasn't buying my pro mix, but and I wasn't worrying about my seedlings, and they produce really great. They ac- they actually produce seedlings kind of on steroids. So the thing is, a you're giving up your you're giving up the control of your seedlings. So sometimes the hard thing with them is that you know through their watering lines, like they're running fert like constantly. So they're like super green. They're like hyper fertilized because they have like a really high nitrogen fert that runs through. So they're literally getting fertilized two times a day, you know, so they're like kind of on steroids. So, but if some, let's say something happened over there that they, their greenhouse, I don't even know, didn't, they didn't water or their greenhouse guy quit. Nobody knew and nothing got watered. I have literally all of my seedlings. I'm relying upon that person 100%. So mm-hmm. it really is a big exchange of trust. So there's some risk involved there. So at this point, we're kind of getting to the point where we probably know in the next year or so we are probably going to invest in our own seed starting space, but then I'll have to be in charge of that space (laughs) and it's tough. So there's a lot to think about. There's lots of different variables with seed starting and there's lots of different ways that you can do it. Some people feel comfortable just ordering their seedlings from ball or whatever kind of broker Mm -hmm. as a way to, you know, ward off some of the risk of starting your own seedlings. So a lot of that is, it's practice. It's figuring it out what works for you in your particular environment. You know, some people have more humid environments. Some people, it gets hotter, it's cooler, it's time. It's just, which is the hardest answer. That's my... I think that's the thing with seed starting that I always resent was like being locked into. Yes. As you were chatting too, I was thinking like, for this, who, whoever you are with the seed starting mm-hmm. question, or and I'm sure there's lots of people feeling this out there, is like start with some easy ones. Yeah. Like start with something that's, you know, we don't pre-sprout zinnias. We do them direct seeded, but like start with some zinnias or marigolds and kind of get your, your flow and some confidence down with mm-hmm. that. If you're sitting – if you're writing that question based off of like Bells of Ireland or something, yeah, I mean, it's not you. No. It's the seed. <laughs> Okay. It's the seed. It's not you. Yes. I promise. So just, I guess I'd look at like, what seeds are you looking to try to start? Cause some of them are a lot more finicky. Yeah. Um, buying good quality seed. That's another one mm-hmm. too. So having like a good source and they will have like germination rates on the outside of them, but doing some research on, do they need light? Do they not need light? Because it does make a difference. Like, you know, whether they need to be covered or not covered. And we have a list, like we just have a list over the years that we've been like, okay, this needs covered. This doesn't need covered um, with soil. And so those sort of things, you know, they'll, they'll, you'll gather that information as you go. And I will say when I first started seed starting, I was really discouraged because I was growing a lot of varieties. I had no business probably growing anyway, mm-hmm. you know, Dara's yeah. and things that yeah, like, that they really tough. Did, they're tough. They should be direct seeded. They're mm-hmm. a cool season. I was trying to seed them in the wrong season. So if you're just starting out and doing this, it's probably because you're just still in the learning curve. And then once I thin down the list of stuff that I really grow, I kind of just grow the same things every year. And they're all mm-hmm. pretty fairly easy to start, you know, stuff that's 
you know, you can try getting pelleted seed. That's another mm-hmm. one, like pelleted seed versus just like loose seed. And then you have um, more control over where that seed goes and, you know, you're getting good seed to soil contact. That's another important thing. Mm-hmm. But I truly keep it super simple, uh, you know, just wetting the soil, putting the seed in, making sure we know if it needs light or it doesn't need light. And then we're using humidity domes to cover it. And then we're bottom watering everything. That's another trick. If you're watering inside and your seed's starting inside, we don't top water anything until we are moving them outside. And so I think starting with a good soil medium mm-hmm. in there is really good. You know, there's like anything in farming, there's somebody listening to this right now is like absolutely cringing because some people love seed starting. That's yeah. their whole reason they got into it. And I'm, we just ain't those girls. Yeah. I just, no, I, I, I despise it. No. Um, I mean, I have to set an alarm on my phone because <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, I got to water because then, yeah. you know, I'd be like, I have a seed starting set up in my basement and I have like this little sticky note thing that I stick out. So I see it and then I take it down when I've watered and then put it back up for mm. like the next day because I have to visually see it. I just blow past. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, those things are smoked. <laughs> I know, an- another, tr- another trick that I, someone told me years ago and I felt like this made a big, because I think a big difference in my seedlings or germination rate, I would say, is that two things. If with the tough stuff, like let's say you're starting Bells of Ireland or Dara or something like that, that is more difficult and you want to start it in a transplant, double or triple seed that thing, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So I will put just like in a direct seeding scenario, it's not like one individual seed. You're like planting a line of seeds. So don't feel like you, it's like one seed per cell. Like there's some things that I do, you know, we try to do two or three just because I know I want a higher likelihood that I'm going to have a full tray of something. And then the second thing was getting wheat, no matter whether a seedling requires or a seed requires light or no light, we dust the top of our trays with vermiculite. So that's that consistent moisture piece which is going to aid it in germination. So for me, that way, when it gets watered, that vermiculite retains water on the surface where that seed is. And that I saw a big increase in in better seedlings and more germination when I started doing that. And that's just, Mm -hmm. you can buy a big bag of vermiculite for cheap. And just fine. You want to use fine. Fine. Yes. Yep. yep. So you just take a cup, dust real lightly over all of them, and then we we do we still do that to this day. So that's a good tip. Just try it out and see if it worked for you. But time figuring it out what works. Starting that start with the easy stuff. That's a really great recommendation. And figure out what you like growing and figure out what's what's worth sourcing outsourcing for you. Next one, we would love to know your guys' recipe for CSA slash bouquet making or bouquet making recipes in general. Okay, so the key, even before, this is step one, in my opinion, to figuring out bouquet recipes, is you need to, for me, a CSA or any type of retail bouquet, each flower that I grow has a retail dollar amount assigned to it. So for me, I'm always creating recipes from that retail dollar amount. So let's say I charge $2 for sunflowers at a retail price. I know when I'm making that recipe, if I put three sunflowers in there, that's $6 worth. What I'm doing is I'm going to say, hey, I have a dollar for my sleeve, rubber band, that kind of stuff. I have $2 for maybe two to three for the actual labor that goes into making that bouquet. So generally, I try to get it in between $10 and $12 for a $20 bouquet. So I'm saying that's labor, my overhead, planting time, like all everything that goes into producing that one single bouquet is all wrapped up in that $20. So I'll try to get it to $10 or $12 depending on the season and the flowers. And then I'll make my recipe from there. So take all, list all the flowers that you grow and assign a dollar amount to it. You don't know what dollar amounts to assign. Go to your wholesaler and try to figure out what florists are paying for that flower. Double it at least, I think, for retail, for a retail purpose. Um, that's kind of what we did. And that way, when you're going to get really good. You're going to start knowing what your day-to-day flowers, what they cost, and it'll be easy for you to pop off recipes. And keep notes. So throughout the season, this is where we're always going back to keeping good notes, but it really is true. What recipes work? What recipes do people love? For me, it's always having some type of greenery, a focal flower, a secondary flower, a spike, and something airy or fillery. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So, and I have a list of all flowers in each of those categories. So I'm picking from each category, making sure I have each piece. I grow multiple things in each of those categories for each season. So I know, let's say like for me, like dianthus is kind of a secondary flower. Um, so if the dianthus isn't blooming, I know I'm going to be using coxcomb as my round secondary flower. So have a couple different options in each season, depending on when you're making bouquets, assign dollar amounts and make the recipes easy. That's it. Mm-hmm. does not. And you know what? Some recipes, I might not have every single component and it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. I'll double up on another one and no one knows the difference. So um, at the end of the day, you have to know that you're making money on this stuff. And just because you're selling a $20 bouquet doesn't mean you need $20 worth of retail flowers. What about all the other things Mm -hmm. that go into getting that? And I think that's an important piece. Are you doing your recipes? Because I think your your method to getting Mm -hmm. to it and mine are different. So are you doing your recipe like weeks in advance, months in advance? What's that process for you? Yeah. So I crop plan. I crop plan based on what my recipes are going to be. And for me, it's crop planning those different components in um, so I make sure that I'm going to have it. Now, it's, it, everybody, crop planning is a hard is because I might have it one year. It might go, go great. The next year, it might not. That's the importance of having multiple different flowers in certain categories. Um, so that's an important piece. But I like to have a basic recipe planned ahead. Plus, I have my recipe records, you know, from past years. So yeah. I generally know what the recipes are and the, and the flowers sometimes change colors. Like when I'm making a bouquet, like I generally don't pay much attention to the colors as long as I'm mm-hmm. not like a red and yellow bouquet or something, you know, I'll try to avoid like anything mm-hmm. harsh, but I'm not really overanalyzing like, oh, the, the, the salmon coxcomb would look perfect with a peach, you know, spikes, low shot, whatever, you know, I'm not really like mixing and matching colors. It's just mm-hmm. basic flower categories and I'm going from gotcha. there and then we're picking whatever looks good in that in that scenario. So you're pre-planning out like so I in do. the winter, are you saying like week 36 looks like this and you guys are yep. actually using that bouquet in week 36? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. My, my brain doesn't. I mean, I think I could do that now mm-hmm. that I've had so many years of records, but I've yeah. done it in reverse like I've done it in a different order. So we I crop plan. I still use my harvest sheets, my shrink mm-hmm. sheet, yeah, my bouquet making sheets, but I do the plan keeping method where I have I go out like I'll walk the field and I'm writing out my CSA plan or like what that recipe, CSA, market, wholesale, mm-hmm. any of that stuff, we're going to I write out, it goes into a spreadsheet and then it pops out that this is what they're going to be harvesting, the number of stems for that week. And I'm we don't really color specific unless we're getting into Halloween. We do like Hocus Pocus. We yeah. did Barbie themed stuff this mm-hmm. year. Every once in a while, I'll see, you know, a certain palette of things that are ready and I'll specify like I want yeah. them to have this feel or I'll say like, no, this color, like none of this color in CSA. But yeah, that's the, I find having a recipe just makes it, it just simplifies everything. It mm-hmm. there, it, it makes it so that uh, you aren't just, you know, you don't have to second guess out there in the field. Like you just have a plan. You're harvesting this particular crop and then it goes in, you know, yeah. and that's what you're putting in the bouquets. It's just trying to keep it, you know, just keep it simplified. Yeah, I know that Christy Ralph's from Nourish Gardens, she does those three ingredient bouquets mm-hmm. and they're absolutely gorgeous. They're so pretty, very simple. You could even do like three different spiked flowers in the spring. Mm-hmm. She does like foxglove and a Veronica and snaps, you know, something that's just re- very, very simple. They're easy to put together. Um, we've we've messed around with some of them. It's something I'd like to incorporate more of because you're it's less ingredients, you're mm-hmm. less grabbing, there's you know less styling to it and they actually sell really well. So yeah, I thought you kind of tackled mm-hmm. that from a different angle. So yeah. I mean I think like having a recipe is a plan. Yeah. You know, and yep. what what you don't want to be is what you don't want to be doing is harvesting everything that's ready, getting it up to your barn and just like not and just like winging it, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, this looks pretty with this. Like, well, you know, like just taking too much time. Like for me, I need to know like two marigolds, two dianthus, two sunflowers, yeah. you know, and it's going to help a keep you profitable because if I'm left to my own devices, I'm going to make it bigger and better than that price point every single time. 
mm-hmm. because it looks pretty and oh my gosh, my customers are going to love this. You know, and but I really think the recipe is giving yourself a plan. And I mean, it's not like life or death here. You know what I mean? It can adjust, you know, yeah. but generally it's just kind of keeping you honest and keeping your business profitable and like looking at your actual crop planning and the crops that you're growing like from from a profit lens mm-hmm. because it's really fun to design bouquets. Is there room for fun and design in making bouquet making and recipes? hundred percent. It just can't be the focus. You know, the yeah. recipe is the plan. Yeah. So. I mean, let's be honest, that part of our business is it's the least profitable. I don't know if that's the, is that the right mm-hmm. way to say that? Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's got the s- smallest, the slimmest profit margin. And mm-hmm. personally, I think because of dealing with like all of the things that go into it, all the volume of labor that goes into it, the seed production, the harvest, Mm -hmm. making the bouquets, the shipping, the packaging. So they have to be fast and they've got to be efficient and they have, they cannot be wasteful. Mm -hmm. Sure. There's like, you know, certain gum farina that, um, you know, if we have a certain variety that's like one single stem and then there's another one that's branching and it fills out the bouquet differently, you know, all of that stuff gets taken into consideration, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it is, money at the end of the day and like you have to make it quick. I mean, our goal to get these out the door, you know, a 60 second bouquet is, you know, that's an ideal Mm -hmm. like 45 seconds to 60 seconds to get those things banded, sleeved, Mm -hmm. all of that good stuff. So yeah, because when you're making a bouquet, like you are providing a service to the customer, like you're putting it together for them. So really make sure that you're pricing it accordingly because that's an additional service that you get when someone puts together a mixed bouquet for you. So some yeah. people don't count that into the price of what they're doing, but it's an incredibly important part. Otherwise, you should just sell straight bunch stuff all the time and they would put it together. But the people want to pay extra for you mm. to do it. So make sure you're yep. charging. Yep. Okay. Can a oh, – this is good. You gave me this one too. I did. Okay. Can a new farmer not <laughs> have social media and still see, be successful? Well, Okay. Let me think about this because I have thoughts. Here's the thing with social is that it's free. Mm-hmm. That's my catch with it. It's free marketing, especially Facebook, Instagram, and I I don't know. There's just the things, the way they changed it. And I'm not a huge – I've moved away from Instagram with my local. It's more mm-hmm. a lot of farmers and I love – I still have a use for Instagram. But Facebook is where I've found my local following to be – more active, I would say. Do I think you can still be successful? Yeah, I do. I really 100% believe that because I think what would happen is that people would – you're still going to get the sharing that happens. Like people are going to ta- – like I went to this place, but I think what you're going to be lacking is that they want more information on that place they just went, this awesome flower farm that they just visited. They're going to be tagging you and taking photos of it, but things can just go a lot quicker on social media. I there's there are businesses all over the country, successful places. There's a like a pizza joint up in New York that has no social media and, you know, they're a newer they're a newer business and they are hopping, they're super successful. So I think you know, we're at an advantage to having social media. It's a tool. It's a, t- a piece of our marketing toolbox. Do I think you could do it? Yes, but I think there might be some other you know, there's other challenges that come with that. I've, like I said, I've had like, I mean, if I didn't, if I personally have said this before, like if I did not have a business, I wouldn't have social media. It's just, I have it because it's still useful to me and it's still a way to share information, stay engaged with your customer. Your customers are on social media. It's a great way to get in front of them. And, you know, there's a lot of people using social media and and sort of what I would say beating that algorithm. It's to me what feels exhausting is that it's always changing. You really do have to kind of keep up with it. But you look at it, it's part of your job and it's just something you have to do as part of wearing that marketing hat. Um, it can be intimidating because it's, you know, it's changing so quickly and maybe um, you don't feel as like savvy on social media. I mean, I, I feel that way at times, you know, and, but there's all kinds of tools and YouTube videos and, and podcasts to help you stay relevant with all of that stuff. But yes, I stand by that you don't have to have social media. If you don't want social media, don't have it. 
that's fine. But I do think that it is a tool to help you in your marketing toolbox to be successful. And I think ultimately, if you have a good product and you have a good business, you don't need social media. I mean, there's there's millions of businesses that are successful that started prior to social media. Okay. If this was 15 years ago, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. 20 years ago, I mean, it yes, you could have a successful business. And, you know, it just I remember sitting in campus classes on on college classes on campus and they were talking about marketing and social media and Facebook. Facebook just was like started to be a thing when I was like graduating, you know, back in the day. And I know. (laughs) When Facebook started, you had to have a college email address. Mm -hmm. I remember there was a guy that was in um, (laughs) – it was a guy that had graduated from Ohio State. And I remember he had – I'm not going to say names, but he had a Facebook page. I was like – because he had a – graduated from there and he had an email address. I was Mm -hmm. like, you freaking creep. You're just – he's just on there. creeping on he's out of college you know like at the time it was just like a college kids thing anyway uh so but i remember sitting in the classes and them talking about like using social media and like how it's an advantage for businesses i remember working for a greenhouse and them trying to figure out like what is our role on social media and how do we you know how do we have a presence on there that's beneficial and so yes i think there are ways to navigate around that i just Mm -hmm. think there's going to be some roadblocks with that yeah. Thoughts? I just think, oh, two two things. Okay. Just like really think it through. I understand being resistant to social media and I would be in the same scenario. I might not really have it if I didn't have the business. My business is the main reason why I'm there. But we have such a visual product. Our product is visual and social media is a visual marketing um, at its finest. So for me, I think, can you be successful? Yes. But how are you selling your product to your people? Like it, for me, I mean, and especially younger, I mean, I, my audience is a lot of younger, younger people, 20 somethings, 30 somethings, young families. If they go to find you on social and you're not there, to me, that might maybe bump you down a level of credibility and trust with your customer because you don't have it. I'm not saying you got to be up to date on all the newest Instagram trends and all of that. But to me, it's like the new website. So if you're not going to be doing social media, then I would really try to invest into having a website where you can, where people can, can go find information about you. I mean, I know, I forget what I was Googling the other day and I'm like, oh my gosh, this place has like some Wicks, old, I'm like, <laughs> gong. I didn't want to deal with it. And I'm like, I can mm-hmm. barely even navigate. If if people can't find like your basic offerings, why they should support you, what you offer, that's what you need to, I would say, really focus on investing in one or the other. Do yeah. I think it's good to have both? And not, I hate saying it's necessary that you won't be successful unless you have it. Like, I really don't believe that. I think you're going to have to work a lot harder to gain, especially as a new business. I know you're not like, especially if you're not like a business that's, you know, been in town for years and years and has like this legacy associated with you and you're just like the go-to person. I don't know. I I think it's tough. I think it's Mm -hmm. tough. I would err on the side of having it, but not feeling like you have to constantly be there engaging in the new trends, doing reels, doing all that. But it wouldn't kill you to post a couple pictures a week, you know, what's going on, making it simple, simplify, you know, what you're doing on there. You don't have to get caught up in, you know, doing video content and having a content calendar. Like don't, I think that's where like a lot of the overwhelm comes from is like a lot of the pressure. So Mm -hmm. to me, Social media is is the new website. That's where my young people are finding me, interacting with me, asking questions, placing orders. Um, So it's tough. I I get the feeling of feeling lost Mm -hmm. on a platform, right? Or like you're a new business and, you know, you've got 15 followers. I remember sitting not that long ago having 60 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. 60. And it's just a flipping number. But 
it's 60 people that want to hear from you yes. and want that subscribe that hit the follow button and want to hear from you and so wouldn't you want 60 customers to show up at your farmers market that mm-hmm. want to buy from you you know i mean that's a it's a valid point but it's like consistency and showing up and just being yourself everybody wants to buy from you the person and so that's important and you know i'm not on tiktok or what's the other one What's the um, – it's just like a bunch of lines that people write stuff. Threads. Twitter. Twitter. Threads. Twitter. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. X. Isn't this what it's called now? I I just keep, my sister sends me things from there. This is how I know. <laughs> so <laughs> this is super – hang on. I'm going to finish this. Then i got to tell you this internet thing real quick and then we'll digress. Okay. So – but you can have – what I want to say is you can have boundaries around social yes. media and you sort of said that. You yeah. can have boundaries around it. You do not have to get caught up in reels. You can do no. what works for you and say you want to post twice a week. Good for you. It yeah. does not matter. Um, mm-hmm. So you can have balance with within yes. that with, yeah. with social. So just know that. Yeah. Just know that. I think so. And so. just like another, you know, like our businesses are what our customers want. Okay. So as much we all do things in our businesses, like for me, growing marigolds, like I personally hate marigolds. I wish I could never grow them ever again. However, my customers like them. So I grow them. So are your customers asking to connect with you? Do they want to verify your credibility and what you're doing on social? Yes. If you find that the answer is yes to that, then, or if someone ever said to you, well, I tried to find find this info, but I just didn't know where to look. Like, no, your customer should be able to go to the internet and search and find exactly what they need to find about you without Mm -hmm. any extra effort. The first second they have to make another effort, they're on to the next person who had all of their stuff easily posted, you know, in a way that they felt was comfortable that they wanted to support. So, um, (sighs) yep. It's a tough one. I it mean, is. it's a question we get asked, and I, I yeah. honestly, I've, I've got, I, I've had goals of like, how do I work myself off of social media? Mm-hmm. I've, there's all like, there's personal things for me that, yeah. and it's really been about finding that balance and having boundaries and do what works for me and take the pressure off of having to post every single day or yeah. you know if I don't feel like yes. it, I don't have to. Like yeah. there's just you 100%. know making it work for you I think is yeah. is the important part. But I do yeah. think it's a it's a great great tool. So Sean was mm-hmm. on a trip to Montana. Yes. In like middle of nowhere, Montana. Okay. So no service anywhere. But he stayed at this lodge and he said, you can thank your favorite cologne for the internet service. Oh, he was talking about Elon Musk. You know how I, ca- I thought Elon Musk was <laughs> yes. <the> cologne. So <laughs> there they had the Elon Musk internet and I was like, oh, that's good. So I'm learning about this guy all the time. Oh, I know. Just, that's funny. The amount of people that have messaged me like Lindsay Eel <laughs> under the rock. But now oh I know now God. I've read, yeah. I've researched, I've yeah. done stuff. Okay. I good. just. That's good. <laughs> Caught up. Get you into the 21st century. <laughs> oh, oh, something else. Sorry. Yeah. I know we have one more question, no, which is a good. shorty, but I got a message from a girl who used to work for me, Molly. She's moved. She's now not starting her own farm. Oh, fun. And yeah. And so she sent me a message and said that after all of our <laughs> Dollar General talk, <laughs> she gets ads for Dollar General on Instagram. <laughs> You're welcome. <stuff> now. <laughs> I'm like, I really think I need to go in about a sponsorship. You need you know? to. Yes. Yeah. To sponsor like the drop, show. like get a referral code for yes. it or something. They do need to sponsor the show. Yeah. I mean, the that amount would... of Dollar General talk, I mean, <laughs> I love that I'm triggering ads. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. First, I mean, that makes me happy. I, I don't know why I'm happy about a Dollar General ad. I but... went into a Dollar General the other day. I was forced yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> and first of all, nothing's a dollar. No a lie. No, no, no. It's a lie. No, nothing's a dollar. It's, a of- <laughs> <laughs> it's actually borderline overpriced. Yeah, I it's mean, basically like Walmart. I mean, yeah, it's like Walmart. It's just a smaller. They they give you that name to make you think it's more affordable. Yeah, the dollar store is not even a dollar anymore. It's a yeah. dollar and a quarter. Yeah, it's probably a dollar fifty now. Yeah, it's not cool. It's just what'd like- you go in there for? <laughs> Halloween I think coffee. I needed, yeah, no, yeah, I needed like a something because Judd had a hayride and he wanted some masks, like some Halloween masks, 
to scare the kids, like hide in the woods and jump out and scare the kids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and of course, like the Halloween stuff was like completely picked over because I guess at the Dollar General, it's like all the rage to go about like a month ahead of time and raid all the Halloween stuff. But and I needed some paper plates and stuff. So I'm like, fine, I'll go to the <laughs> right by our house. <laughs> did you think oh, of me? I did. Yes. It's just no. like such a storm of stuff. It's like unorganized and I, I just I hate everything. I you probably hate. don't have a good one. I mean, I, I probably I know 100%. I mean, mine's ours is there's good and there's not so good. There's what, ones that you avoid. Yeah. What makes it good? I mean, ours isn't dirty. Like ours is yeah. dirty okay. and it's organized and oh, okay. you know, like the one that's across the river from us, like mm-hmm. the employees the self-checkout runs that place. The employees are on their phone every time I go in there. They're yeah, like, the self-checkout's open. I'm like, yeah, but it says it's only taking cash and I have a debit card. So get you off your phone, Sally. It's probably on Facebook. And check me out, you know? Oh, yeah. But yeah, that, then they're just – it's like gross in there. It's dirty yeah. and like it's – Yeah. Feels. I think I, I must have a bad one. I think so. Yeah. You must. But it's because you have a Target. Who's going to go to Dollar General when exactly. they have a Target? Exactly. Yeah, if I had, I would not be supporting this. Yeah. Yes, this is just because I don't want to go to Walmart. Yeah, it's I get that. A quarter mile from my house. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I just thought that was funny. That's funny. I'd update Sponsorship on that, so. opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> you want to? You want to do the last one? Uh, yes. Okay, last one, and this is going to be a quick one. Are you still both doing profit first method, and how's it going? Yes, I'm still doing yes. it, and it's going great. Yes. Wouldn't you say? Same. Yeah. Yes, same. We use it for the podcast. Uh, We run our business podcast that way. Yep. And no complaints. It's a very clear-cut way to do it and Mm -hmm. continues to work for us. Yep. It's yes. And so if you are a part of the insiders, we did a whole book study our first month. So there is some good profit first guides, talks, that kind of stuff in the insiders too. So now that that content library is available to you, no matter when time you joined, um, the entire episode, all of all of the content is available to you. So we do, if you want to dive into profit first, and maybe we should, we, it'd be cool to do like a profit first refresher or something in the mm-hmm. off season here as we're all going to be planning our the next, the next year business wise and yep. doing our taxes and all that kind of stuff. So that'd be a good reminder. Yep. I like okay. it. I think that was a good spill the dirt. Hopefully we hit like a lot of different questions. So we really appreciate you guys doing that and submitting your questions on Sundays. Every Sunday, we should, asterisk, put a question box up that says, hey, ask us your questions. Um, And that's where um, on Instagram at Dirt on Flowers, you can follow us, submit your question. We try to answer as many as we possibly can. And honestly, it's just such a great way for you guys to give us episode ideas and we want to know what's on your mind. And that is literally the best way that you could tell us. So if you loved this episode style, the Dirt on Flowers membership, our insider group would really be a great option for you. We provide all kinds of additional content, extra interviews, um, templates, how-tos, uncut, extras. You get to be a part of an amazing group of other flower farmers and they get to be your cheerleaders. They get to answer your questions in the Facebook group. So it really is a great way like, hey, if you had a question that popped up, just throw it out in the Facebook group and Lindsay and I try to answer and we all of the other um, amazing members of the group help. So it really is a really great supportive community. And on top of that, we do a monthly live Zoom where we can answer your questions. And typically we teach about a specific topic, all of that for just $20 a month. So it really is a spill the dirt episode on steroids, but it's catered just to you and the things that you need at once. So the link is always in our show notes to sign up and go check it out and join us in November. Okay. We're giving you guys a big hug. Most of us are putting our farms to sleep for the winter and we love that we get to ride along with you as you grow your farm. So connect with us over at Dirt on Flowers Instagram. Send us your messages and love. Okay. As always, we'll see you at the same time, same place next week.